Patient safety is your right, so don't go wrong. Join me, Pat Rulo, every Saturday morning at 8.30 on WHKW AM 1220, The Word, and every Sunday afternoon at 2.30 on WHK AM 1420, The Answer. Stay safe from little-known health care and hospital hazards. For more, visit speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. And I'll see you Saturday morning at 8.30. And I'll see you Sunday at 2.30. Welcome to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio with author, speaker, and your host, Pat Rulo, serving you a generous helping of everything you need to know to help you and your loved ones stay safe during any doctor or hospital visit. The program is not intended to replace medical advice from a licensed professional, but rather to encourage you to become a well-informed participant in your health and well-being. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety, where each week we delve into little-known healthcare and hospital hazards, as well as other fringe topics that affect your health and well-being. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me, and today I have lots to share with you. So, let's dig right in, shall we? Before I begin today's show, I want to, I guess you'd call it, clear the air? Last week, I shared a guest with you who spoke about dogs who may detect the coronavirus via scent. The guest contacted me as I had no idea that this was something that was going on. And when people take the time to seek me out, I listen. I listen because I'm interested. I listen because I care. I listen because I like to learn new things. So I had a conversation with him and asked questions to help me and you to understand what this was all about. Well, after the show aired, I received some interesting feedback, as I knew I would. I knew prior to airing it that it would touch a nerve, but I aired it anyway. Some listeners felt I was feeding the fire, fanning the flames of hysteria. Do we want dogs running up and down the halls of apartment buildings, sniffing and barking? Do we want to promote this constant police state in which we find ourselves? And let me stop right here because I want to sincerely thank you for calling and thank you for your emails. I so appreciate it because it proves that someone out there cares. Someone is paying attention enough to pick up the phone and say, hey, Pat, are you crazy? Well, (laughs) no, Pat is not crazy. I don't think. I think you know me well enough to know my stance on things. However, I am fearful of media these days, all media, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, Fox, the New York Times, Washington Post, and on and on, everything on the internet, everything, each and every one has a distinct bias to the point that you never hear anything of substance without a spin. Nothing's news, nothing's real, everything is basically an opinion. So, unless we dig and search and spend our entire lives sorting and separating, we have no idea what is real and what isn't. So last week, 
I took the chance to share something that would enlighten you as to what is going on when it comes to COVID testing. Now, if you recall, prior to my guest arriving, I did preface the entire show with these words. I said, the constant testing and sneaky contact tracing surveillance is another problem. Consistently, the test results are faulty. So the question becomes, what is a positive test? Is there a tried, true, and trusted gold standard for coronavirus? Are the test samples to date from faulty test methods? What are they testing against? Is there a sample out there that all tests compare to? Do they compare a swab from someone in China to the exact same control as from your neighbor down the street? Do we even have the original genetic code? And on and on. So I was questioning right there, what is it that we are testing for, against, with? I don't know. But since I said I don't have all the answers, I I said this last week, I still search and seek and am open to hear anything and everything so I can come to my own conclusions. And I encourage you to do so. Let's not be so fixed in our mind that it's either this way or that. And don't accept that which is being forced upon you. So with that, I bring you today's guest who shares an interesting aspect to COVID testing. And that's what I said last week. And I really put that in there prior to his coming on because I knew that folks were going to question my sensibilities. (laughs) So to be clear, I am not promoting contact tracing and I do question testing. I mean, heck, I don't even know if there is a virus. Do you? Does anyone? Other than those who are pushing the agenda? So hopefully you understand that it's okay to talk about things that are happening that you may not like or agree with. It's okay because that's how we make intelligent decisions. So I thank you for caring enough to call me out. And I hope that you understand my position as being a resource to share what I know what crosses my desk and my path. We don't have to like it, but we can surely learn and be aware. And that, my friend, is how we protect ourselves. Knowledge is power. And speaking of power, let's take back our power, the power of the consumer. So here goes another conversation that I'm sure will not be popular with some people. Recently, I received an email from a local hospital outlining the updated COVID visitor guidelines. Guidelines. What a funny word. How about mandates? Restrictions? Someone thought up the idea of color coding the danger levels of COVID. So now, if a hospital declares itself level purple, no one other than the patient can enter the hospital. No visitors. Oh, that's another funny word. Visitors. The word visit means to go to and stay with a person or a family or at a place for a short time for reasons of sociability, politeness, business, curiosity, etc. So with that definition, I fully agree with the hospital. We don't need visitors. But we do need a second person on site full time as an advocate for the patient. And I've promoted patient advocacy for over 10 years now. And today, we need someone to advocate for each and every patient 24 hours a day. Was it dangerous in a hospital pre-COVID? 
Yeah, but it's even more of a concern today. And not because of the supposed COVID virus. My question is, what goes on with absolutely no outside oversight? People die. And they are listed as death from COVID. Oh, am I making this up? Once again, am I crazy? Here are some facts. United States hospitals have a perverse monetary incentive to increase their count of coronavirus fatalities. Asked to comment on this by Republican Blaine Lutkemeyer, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name, a Republican from, from Missouri, described as the perverse incentive. This was during a hearing by the House Oversight and Reform Select Committee on the Coronavirus, questioning the CDC's director, Robert Redfield. This is how Dr. Redfield responded. I think you're correct in that we've seen this in other disease processes too, really in the HIV epidemic. Somebody may have a heart attack, but also have HIV. The hospital would prefer the classification for HIV because there's greater reimbursement. He goes on to say, so I do think there's some reality to that. When it comes to death reporting, ultimately, it's how the physician defines it in the death certificate. According to Congressman Lutkemeyer and Admiral Brett Girard from the U.S. Health and Human Services Department, they have concluded that there is an economic incentive for hospitals to inflate their coronavirus fatalities. Not making that up. And right now, I am looking at a discharge summary right here that a friend sent to me. She went in for knee pain. On this piece of paper, it says, admission details, visit reasons, health issues dated June 28, 2020, pain and inability to weight bear right knee and leg. And directly underneath that, it says, visit diagnosis, Suspected COVID-19 caused by acute severe respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2 situation. And I am not blind. I am looking at this clearly on this piece of paper sitting right here on my desk. So I ask if this is going on right in front of my eyes, my friend's eyes, your eyes, what in the world do you think is going on behind closed doors that forbids actual in-person patient oversight. No visitors? If I had someone in the hospital, I would kindly explain that I am not a visitor. I am an advocate looking out for my person, not visiting. Level orange and level red, one visitor only during visiting hours. Well, all bets are off as to what happens at night when visitors are not allowed between the hours of 9 p.m. and 7 a.m. And we all know that the night shift is like a ghost town. Staff is slashed. And that's exactly the time you need someone else with you to make sure things get done timely and properly. So it's up to the hospital to declare its level color. What is that based on? Do we know? How many fake and faulty diagnoses is that based on? Who knows? I have a friend whose husband's pacemaker just last week zapped him, causing him to fall 
hit his head, have a brain bleed, and was taken to the hospital. He was not allowed any family to be there. His wife sat outside, wringing her hands until the next day. They allowed her in moments before he died. Is that even human? We're so worried about a weak virus, or perhaps nothing at all, that people are dying due to lack of oversight? Does anyone know what was done to the poor fellow or not done? Were the responses done strictly in accordance with the standards of care? Or was the hospital following the crisis standard of care? What's that, you ask? Crisis standards of care, the definition. A substantial change in usual health care operations and the level of care it is possible to deliver, which is made necessary by a pervasive pandemic, earthquake, hurricane. This change in the level of care delivered is justified by specific circumstances and is formally declared by a state government in recognition that crisis operations will be in effect for a sustained period. The formal declaration that crisis standards of care are in operation enables specific legal regulatory powers and protections for health care providers in the necessary tasks of allocating and using scarce medical resources and implementing alternate care facility operations. So public health emergencies require clinicians to change their practice, including in some situations acting to prioritize the community above the individual when healthcare resources are overwhelmed. Well, it sounds like there's some interesting leeway in that. I mean, who is to say what defines overwhelmed? Here's a good quote from the AMA, the American Medical Association. In public health emergencies, when CPR is unlikely to provide the intended clinical benefit, and participating in resuscitation significantly increases already higher than usual risk for healthcare professionals, it may be ethically justifiable to withhold CPR without the patient's consent. Do you like that? Here's another crisis standard of care guideline. Allocate limited resources first based on likelihood of benefit. Okay, sounds like that's based on somebody's opinion. Here's another. Allocate limited resources by an objective and transparent mechanism, such as random choice or a lottery, to minimize potential bias, as opposed to first come, first serve, which may unfairly privilege patients who have the means to seek care promptly. What I'm saying is this. Was this man at the sharp end of these rules? No one knows, because his wife wasn't allowed to be there as a visitor. Visitor, my rear end. Advocate. She needed to be there as his advocate. A few weeks ago, I shared a grocery shopping experience at Aldi's where 50 Amish women were in the store and outside of the store waiting their social distancing nonsense turn to get in. None were wearing masks. And a wonderful woman left me a voicemail after the show, and she very wisely observed that if one person wasn't wearing a mask, well, they could probably be forced to do so. But 50 people? 
Was the store really going to turn away 50 shoppers? 50 people who load up their buggies? The safety and power of numbers, right? So what's wrong with us? Why can't we take back our power when it comes to whatever we deem is unjust? It seems to work for protesters who tear down historical monuments. There's enough people and you're loud enough. I guess that means something, right? Why don't we use the power of the consumer and tell hospitals? Because after all, they only exist as a business. They are there to make money. Now, the outcome is that they save lives often, but the bottom line, a hospital, a rehab, a nursing home, they are businesses who require customers. But let's call ourselves patients because that makes us, oh, so much weaker and subservient. We are customers. And if you won't let me in with my husband, I'll go somewhere else. Oh, wait, there is nowhere else. Every hospital is playing the same color game. Oops, we're purple, can't come in. Just wait outside until our crisis standard of care kills him. We'll call it COVID death and off you go. Here's an idea for a gutsy hospital looking to increase its revenue. Stop with the colors. Stop with the rules. You want to ban visitors? Go ahead. But every person needs an advocate. So allow one advocate at all times to be with the patient. Now, I never was in favor of the free-for-all hospitals used to allow. When my mom was in intensive care in a downtown hospital, people from the street, yes, street people, attorneys, random who-knows-who, would be wandering around intensive care. I actually brought up this concern both as a physical safety as well as an infectious concern to the powers that be, and they told me. Our hospital has an open-door policy. We don't stop anyone from going anywhere. And I found that to be reckless. Fragile people in ICU, while medical malpractice lawyers roam the floors, non-ICU, Rastafarian-looking people hanging about. Wow, have we changed. Now, no one is allowed. So come on, some hospital... Take the challenge. Be careful if you must, but not at the expense of patient safety. I bet business booms when you're willing to care for people in a manner that the rest of the hospitals deny. And as a consumer, why don't we demand this? Sorry, not checking into your hospital unless my wife, husband, brother, sister, whomever you designate as your advocate comes with us. If enough people do this, the business side of the hospital will have to question the sensibility of turning away customers. If we as consumers don't do this, we are silently agreeing. Yep, do whatever standard of care you like. I'll stay out here in my car, uninformed and stupid. Call me when he's dead. And, oh, be sure the cause of death is COVID-19. Let me leave you with this. Not to speak is to speak, not to act, is to act.
Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. Would you like to make your dreams become a reality? Well, I have an answer for you. You might remember I interviewed an author named Bill DeBarba recently and shared his segment with you on his show. His book is called The Process of Living, and it represents the method that defines who we present ourselves to be, to ourselves and to others. It also provides all the tools we need to change our lives however we wish, And it consists of three simple parts, thoughts, feelings, and actions. These components and how they interact with each other define our life on this earth. And it really is that simple. So get a copy of the book. It's called The Process of Living by Bill DeBarba. And you can find it at Amazon.com or visit the website TheProcessOfLiving.com. That's TheProcessOfLiving.com. Hi there, my name is Gina, and I'm part of a global movement of people who are taking action to protect and preserve this great planet of ours. I would love for you to join us. Meet me at mrsgreensworld.com and engage with us by listening to our dynamic podcasts, reading our blogs, watching our videos, and connecting with us on social media. We are showing up every day as disruptors for good, being the change we wish to see in the world. Take action today and join us. No, you've been a good friend. And that's in the thick and thin. And I know it's never gonna end. Cause you've been a good friend. I recently narrated and produced an audiobook for author Joni Dark Shepherd. The book is titled Rio, a love story, how my dog saved my life. Most of you know that I was a caretaker for my mom for nearly a decade and also have been rescued by 13 cats, so Joni's book resonated. Her boundless love and commitment to both her mother and sister as they battled cancer was raw, real, and revealing. As the darkness of these times descended upon her, she discovered and allowed the love of her dogs, especially Rio, to light up her life. Joni Dark Shepherd and the honest portrayal of her journey left me crying, smiling, and feeling happy. And isn't that what a good book is supposed to do? A compassionate and passionate read. Get yourself a copy today. Visit Amazon.com or the website JoanAndRio.com. I guarantee it, you'll love the book, Rio, A Love Story, How My Dog Saved My Life. Visit Joan and Rio. You've heard me talk about my new book. It's an anthology of 31 different stories from healthcare-related people throughout the country. It's called Highway to Heart, Humor, and Honesty in Healthcare. And in it are so many stories that really exemplify what I'm talking about today. 
things that happen to these people right in front of their eyes. And so today I question what's going on behind closed doors. If these things are happening when people were there watching, what in the world is happening when we're not? Here's a little snippet from one of my chapters, one of the chapters. This is by a gal, Karen Curtis, Trust Your Gut and Speak Up. She says, it all started with my dad, who was diagnosed with a terminal lung disease. There are no treatments to manage or live with this disease, but it can be cured with a lung transplant. Unfortunately, only about 1% of those diagnosed with this lung disease ever get a second chance at life with the gift of a new lung. My dad was one of those lucky people. And what's more, he got the chance at the number one transplant facility in the world. Shortly after dad's successful transplant surgery, with discharge to a healthy life on his horizon, dad fell on a Friday afternoon that went unattended at the hospital for 57 hours. A doctor did not show up to evaluate him until Sunday evening. By that time, he already developed pneumonia from being immobilized in weight for so long. During treatment for pneumonia in the ICU, Dad picked up MRSA, a hospital staff infection, and then C. diff, yet another type of hospital infection. Meanwhile, he suffered a stage 4 bed sore and deep vein thrombosis, which threw off a blood clot that traveled to his new lung, impairing its function and Dad's ability to breathe. Along the way, there were medication errors that caused him to have delirium, a truly terrifying condition. Dad hung on. He fought. He fought back, over and over, desperate for discharge, desperate to survive and go home to Florida with my mom, who was his high school sweetheart. They had celebrated their 52nd anniversary just after his transplant, and they were so optimistic of many more years to come. Dad's nurses grew fond of him because through every struggle, he maintained his sense of humor and calm, even as my sister and I lost ours. But Dad never left the hospital. He died from hospital infections seven months to the day after the lung transplant that saved his life. Mom went home to Florida with Dad's casket in the belly of her plane. Chilling, right? Get a copy of this book, Highway to Heart, Humor, and Honesty in Healthcare. It's available at the website speakupandstayalive.com. Get it at the website. You get it at Amazon, but I prefer you to get it at my website. You could also get the Kindle version, the e-version, if you choose that. That has to be at Amazon. Highway to Heart, Humor, and Honesty in Healthcare, available at speakupandstayalive.com. Once again, if you know what is going on out there, then you know what to look out for. Just like my interview with the dogs, if you know what's happening, now you could make rational decisions as to, yes, I agree, no, I don't, let's look out for this, let's join that. But if you don't know, you don't know. So head over to the website, speakupandstayalive.com, get a copy of the book. You can listen to previous episodes there. There's just so much information at the website. I encourage you to do so. And all right, once again, we're through. But I will be back next week, same time, same place, but never the same information. Until then, I am asking you to speak up, because not to speak is to speak, and not to act 
is to act. I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice and patient safety. The information provided in today's broadcast is for informational purposes only and was not intended for use as diagnosis or treatment of a health problem and should not be considered as medical advice. If you've missed part of today's show or just want to share the information with friends, you can listen to all of Pat's previous shows at speakupandstayalive.com. Want even more information? Purchase a copy of Pat's book at speakupandstayalive.com. Once again, it's speakupandstayalive.com. Or you can call Pat at 440-725-5462. Until next week, remember, it's okay to ask others to wash their hands. You have to speak up and stay alive. Patient safety is your right, so don't go wrong. Join me, Pat Rulo, every Saturday morning at 8.30 on WHKW AM 1220, The Word, and every Sunday afternoon at 2.30 on WHK AM 1420, The Answer. Stay safe from little-known health care and hospital hazards. For more, visit speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. And I'll see you Saturday morning at 8.30. And I'll see you Sunday at 2.30.